We're not divers, we're not doctors, and we're fucking not horses, okay? <laughs> we're absolutely not horses. Hello, and welcome to What A Way To Go. This is a podcast about unusual deaths, near misses, and bizarre stories. Hey, I did it! She did it! Did it! I, you would not understand how nervous I am about doing that every time because my mind just goes completely blank and I stare directly at squares and I'm like, what are we? Who is this? What's happening? Anyway, we are your hosts. I'm Claire Daly. And I'm Sarah Austin. And... Els is not here! Dun, 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 dun. Els isn't here, I'm afraid, this week. So you're going to have to... Turn off now. Yeah, so big Els fans can just tune out. Just, yep. That's fine. We forgive you. We're big Els fans, we'll probably tune out, so... Yeah, no one no one will listen to this. Um, Els is busy with work. She's a scholar. She's a scholar. She's doing some worthy stuff and is busy, and yeah. that takes precedent, which we're all very fine. We're very supportive of. And I, it reminded me of horrendous university days when there was no minute in the day when you were like, oh, I can just chill out, I haven't got anything to do. No, because, and I, I say this really lightly, obviously, but it's not... I know that we, we use the internet quite a lot, but it's not... Like, we just rock up and have a story ready. Like, you do have to research. Like yeah, It does exactly. take time. Yeah, yeah. And you do have to know enough to talk about it credibly. So it's like her doing another, not dissertation, that's a bit much, but another <laughs> essay, basically. My, I think the My Favourite Murder girls call it a book report, don't they? Yeah, it basically is that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it is that. And it makes me a little bit stressed when I know that I've got to do it. Yeah, well, you know, let's, um, let's look at the workload. Mm-hmm. Let's rationalise. Let's prioritise. Mm-hmm. Let's de-escalate. All these management words. I literally did a management skills course yesterday. Did you? Yeah, I'm going to smash this. I'm going to manage you to fuck. (laughs) I need it. I need some management. I need some management skills and I need to be managed. I spend half of my my time deciding what story I want to do. Mm, That's my biggest, like, crux. It's like, what do I want to actually talk about today? Because there's so many good stories out there. Yeah. But it's like, what do I want to talk about today? A pitfall I fall into and which I find wastes my time and frustrates me is that you find a story that on the surface is like, oh my God, that sounds so incredible. And then it is too depressing yeah. or it's not verifiable. Like we all like to make sure it's something that has oh, definitely yeah. happened. Yeah. Um, I, f- I can't remember what I found today, but I remember being like, oh, that looks wicked. And then it was just like so fucking sad. I know a lot of them are sad anyway, but listeners... You want to fucking hear the stories we don't cover because it's grim. There is one, it, and grim. I don't know whether to mention it now or not. But like, in case you do it in the in future, in case I do it in the future for having a really bad day. But like, there's one story from like two years ago, and I've got it written out, mm. and it was because like, I was just obsessed with the story, and then I read it back, and I was like, fucking hell, no one wants to hear this on a podcast, especially <laughs> if they're listening to it on a Monday morning on the way to work. Yeah. Like, it would really, really ruin someone's mood. But basically, it's about a woman that gets killed by a beach umbrella. Oh, God. On, like, her birthday or her anniversary (laughs) or something. A complete freak accident, Mm. which on the surface is interesting and everyone's got a bit of a morbid curiosity about it. But it's just so sad. It's just like, there's just... Just a really sad, horrible accident. Yeah, and it's not... I know that we're not a salacious podcast anyway, but it's just all of the things stuck together. It's her anniversary or birthday. Mm -hmm. She was having a nice time. She was relatively young. And she gets killed by a beach umbrella Mm -hmm. in a really weird freak accident in front of lots of people. 
It's just not what this is about, you know? It's just no, not the right time. it's not really what we're, we're so, aiming for. Although, get down to episode 500, she might be yeah, really scraping the barrel. Yeah. We might have changed our tune. We might be absolutely rinsing the really sad stories. Yeah, maybe. Clickbaiting everyone. Maybe that's the way forward. Maybe. Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely you, let us know. At What Away Pod on its social medias, if you just want to hear some really sad shit and just get depressed, then let us know. Yeah, I think that, yeah. It's just, it's a fine line. Yeah. We do, there's, a lot of, there's a lot that goes into it, basically, and that's why Elsa's not here, because mm-hmm. she's got other things to do. She'll be back next time, yes. hopefully. Yeah, Although unless our, we scare her off in between then and the, now and then. I'll have to be the one that misses the next one that not all of us are together in, because you've not been around. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. 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 I go first this week, because <laughs> yeah, you, you went first last week. I'm going to double up my reactions. I'm really going to be like gasping okay. and shouting. Yeah, go Shouting? I do feel like I have to talk louder on this podcast. Why? Because we're quiet compared to a lot of others. So Yeah, maybe. I know I've made this point before, but I feel like I'm going to be a bit more voluminous. We don't want to take up too much space. And the irony is, ears. when I'm on Skype calls at work, I'm fucking hollering across <laughs> the entire office. And you are honking. <laughs> Literally honking. <laughs> So I don't know what happens in between the office and the studio, but I go quiet as a mouse. Demure. You're, you're I'm, a, yeah, I'm very we're all demure. podcast novices. Mm. I think that we, we still need to build our confidence. Okay. Right. Please hit me with a story, my friend. So remember back to episode three when we all came with stories of firsts? Yeah. I'm going to talk to you about two firsts Ooh. today. They are not the same exactly, but they are closely related in a certain way. Anyway, so first of all, we're going to go back to 1896 and the death of Bridget Driscoll. Okay. It's good. I do always worry that you've got the same story as me. No, clearly not. absolutely not. Um, and Bridget was the first recorded case of a pedestrian killed in a collision with a motor car. Okay. And she was actually the first person to be killed because of an automobile in the UK. Okay. Which is important later. So the story is a 44-year-old Bridget was with her teenage daughter Mary and her friend Elizabeth Murphy in Crystal Palace. Mm-hmm. I want to go there. I've heard very good things about Crystal Palace. Is it? It's like... Apparently it's well nice. Yeah, there's a good pizza place there yeah. for rabbits. I've not never, sponsored. I've not sponsored. <laughs> I've never been. I just like their tiling on Instagram. <laughs> that's my niche. Um, that's your kink. That's my kink. Uh, I say that way too much at the moment and it's my kink and it's like everyone's like shut up Sarah. it's like 9 o'clock on a Tuesday shut up <laughs> I'm into it say it more sure um, anyway Bridget she crossed the she crossed the road uh, she was on Dolphin Terrace I don't know what the relevance of that is but it's important apparently mm-hmm. um, and then she was struck by a car that was owned or it belonged to the Anglo-French Motor Carriage Company and it was actually being used to give demonstration rides at the time so there were people around that saw her being hit by a car. It was not a great place to be. One witness described the car as travelling at a reckless pace, in fact, like a fire engine. But curiously, the car's maximum speed, this is not funny, was eight miles per hour. That's not reckless. Not now, re- compared yeah. to us now, this was 1896. Eight miles per hour, that can't be much faster than a horse and cart. Mm, probably not. I can't really think what eight miles an hour feels like. Not not much. Use your imagination, listeners. Okay. Um, but apparently the car in question had been limited deliberately to four miles per hour 
the speed at which the driver, Arthur James Edsall, claimed to have been travelling. So it could only do eight miles an hour anyway, mm-hmm. but apparently it was only doing four, which I can walk faster than. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had a passenger with him, Alice Standing. She was from Forest Hill. I like all these also, details. Also nice, apparently, Forest Hill. Yep, gentrified. Um, <laughs> and she alleged that he had modified the engine to allow the car to go faster to impress the ladies, I guess. Sure, I, I don't guess. know. But another, but a taxi driver examined the car after the fact and said it was incapable of exceeding 4.5 miles per hour because of a low-speed engine belt. So obviously it was early days of cars and it wasn't possible. But as a side note, the accident happened just a few weeks after a new Act of Parliament had increased the speed, of, the speed limit for cars to 14 miles per hour from 2 miles per hour in towns and 4 miles per hour in the countryside. So even then, 14 miles per hour is also not a very fast yeah. Well, speed, especially when you think about the way that we drive cars now. So the jury returned a verdict of accidental death after an inquest that lasted six hours. The coroner, Percy Morrison, is quoted as saying he hoped such a thing would never happen again mm-hmm. after she was the first person to be killed by an automobile, a car. But, I looked this up today, according to road crash statistics, nearly 1.3 million people die every year after being hit by a car. So, it's gone from one person to fucking millions. Globally? Mm-hmm. Glo- yeah, globally, not in the I UK. I was going to say. <laughs> every year, globally, 1.3 million people die by being hit by a car. Oh, man. But, what are you going to say, Daily? That's history. That's archaic. What's the future? Driving, driving cars. cars. So... Here we are. My next story. I'm going to take you back to yesterday last year. Oh. Not yesterday. I Imagine. I reacted too quickly. <laughs> what? Yesterday last year. So for the listeners' benefit, we're recording this on March 19th. In March um, 2018, on the 18th of March, Elaine Herzberg was the first recorded case of a pedestrian fatality involving a self-driving car. Mm-mm. So she was... Fuck. Um, Elaine was pushing a bicycle across a four-lane road in Arizona when she was struck by an Uber taxi, which was operating in self-drive mode. Do you remember this story from last year? No, not really. I don't know if I do or I don't. I can't remember. Anyway, according to witness reports, she was crossing Mill Avenue, which is a four-lane road, and it's close to the Red Mountain Freeway. She was pushing a bike laden with shopping and had crossed at least two lanes of traffic when she was struck. This was around 10pm, so in the evening, relatively dark. And it was an Uber, if you need to know, an Uber Volvo XC90 taxi, which was travelling north, so going in the opposite direction to her. Mm -hmm. The vehicle had been operating in self-drive mode since 9.39, so that's, you know, just 20 minutes shy of her being hit. Um, The car did have a human safety backup driver sitting in the driving seat, Mm -hmm. which I didn't realise that they actually sat in the driver's seat I always thought they sat in the pedestrian seat but anyway so the idea is that they've always got a human safety and they're always able to avert problems mm-hmm. before they turn bad right in theory Go on. I didn't even realise that so I'm quite generally quite pro driverless cars yeah you are yeah and historically on this podcast too yeah vocally so Voc- famously so famously so like. yeah I don't think I even realised that Uber were like using them yeah but i know it's not driverless cars right so they had a driver in the driver's seat but it was in self-drive mode like i hadn't i didn't realize that was yeah but like piloted 
it's not necessarily piloted. It's, it's still testing at this stage. And I think that even if there's passengers and they're emulating a car ride or um, a taxi ride, sorry, it's still testing. You couldn't order a driverless Uber. Okay, fine, yeah. But they sense. were allowing tests in certain states. Because obviously, you know... It's test- got to be tested at some point, right? Yeah, and also it has to be tested in real-life conditions. Yeah. And obviously, what's his chops? Elon Musk loves a driverless car. Mm. And Tesla is well, has created driverless cars. Um, so they have to test it and see how it works. And this was inevitable to a certain degree. But anyway... Um, as I mentioned, there was a human safety backup driver, which is part of the test. So um, Ms. Rafaela Vasquez, sorry if I've butchered that, um, did not intervene before the collision as the vehicle did not appear to slow down or swerve, so hit the woman dead on. Fuck. Vehicle telemetry obtained after the crash showed that a human operator responded by moving the steering wheel less than a second before impact and she engaged the brakes less than a second after impact. Oh. So she was not aware until it was already happening, basically. Mm. It wasn't really... um, There wasn't anything that she could have done. Following the collision, Elaine was taken to hospital, but unfortunately she died of her injuries. So as you can imagine, there were quite a lot of investigations that happened after the fact from Uber and also obviously from the local police. So Tempe Police, which is the area in Arizona that she was killed. Is that right? Tempe? Not sure. Um, How are you spelling it? T... E-M-P-E. Yeah? <laughs> I don't know. We'll take it as well. Feels, feels right. Tempe. Tempe Police Chief Sylvia Moir said that the collision was unavoidable based on the initial police investigation, which included a review of the video captured by an onboard camera. She faulted Herzberg, the victim, for crossing the road in an unsafe manner. It is, this is quite a, a quote from her, it is dangerous to cross roadways in the evening hour when well illuminated. Managed crosswalks are available. According to Uber, safety drivers were trained to keep their hands very close to the wheel at all the time while driving the vehicle so they were ready to quickly take control if necessary. Jesus. Um, and another quote is, the driver said it was like a flash. The person walked out in front of them. The first alert to the collision was the sound of the collision. It's very clear it would have been difficult to avoid this in any mode, autonomous or human driver, based on how she came from the shadows right into the roadway. But in June, which was a couple of months after that quote was said and after those investigations by the local police department, um, they released a detailed report along with media captured after the crash, including an audio recording of the 911 call made by the safety driver, Rafaela and an initial on-scene interview with a responding officer captured by body-worn video, because you know all the cops in America mm-hmm. now with the yeah. body cams. Um, so after the crash, police obtained search warrants for her phone records, as well as records from the video streaming services Netflix, YouTube and Hulu. The investigation concluded that because the data showed she was streaming The Voice over Hulu at the time of the collision... <laughs> And the driver facing camera in the Volvo in the Volvo showed her face appears to react and show a smirk or laugh at various points oh during the time no. she's looking down. She was likely distracted from her primary job of monitoring road and vehicle oh conditions. No. She was looking down towards her right knee 166 times for a total of 6 minutes 47 seconds during the 21 minutes 48 seconds preceding the crash. Just pri- So that's all of her time before the crash. That she, It was in autonomous drive, the car itself. Just prior to the crash, she was looking at her lap for 5.3 seconds. She looked up half a second before the impact. Jesus. So... 
Tempe police, after originally victim-blaming, concluded the crash was entirely avoidable and faulted Vasquez for her disregard for her assigned job function to intervene in a hazardous situation. Vasquez stated in her post-crash interview with the NTSB that she had been monitoring system messages on the centre console and that she did not use either one of her cell phones until she called 911. According to an Uber source, safety drivers are not responsible for monitoring diagnostic messages. She also told responding police officers she kept her hands near the steering wheel in preparation to take control if needed, which contradicted the driver-facing video, which did not show her hands anywhere near the wheel. Police concluded that given the same conditions, Herzberg would have been visible to 85% of motorists at a distance of 143 feet, 5.7 seconds before the car struck Herzberg. And according to the police... Vasquez should have been able to apply the brakes at least 0.5 seconds sooner, which would have provided Herzberg sufficient time to pass safely in front of the car. As a result of the fatal incident, Uber immediately suspended testing of self-driving vehicles in Arizona, where such testing had been welcomed since August 2016. So they had been testing those autonomous cars for two Mm. years until this happened. Well... 18 months. Uber also decided not to renew its permit for autonomous vehicle testing in California when it expired at the end of March 2018. So Herzberg was specifically the first pedestrian death involving a self-driving car. A previous fatality in which the driver of a a semi-autonomous car was killed had occurred almost two years prior. So it kind of, and also I have this just in case listeners are wondering, the first person ever to be killed in an automotive accident, so not to be hit by a car, but to be killed by in an automotive accident, was in 1869 when Mary Ward fell under the wheels of an experimental steam car built by her cousins. So it was stationary, it was mm. on, but she fell under the wheels and broke her neck. Oh, God. Which is not a nice story and I have no. not included it. But yeah, I just thought it was such an interesting story and I think that, we've spoken about this before, it should decrease the amount of deaths on the road vastly. Mm. But this is the first example of it, but actually it's still human error. But I... Yeah. So uh, maybe the reason I'm such a fan of non like driverless cars is because I don't really have a fucking clue how they work. <laughs> and I just assume, oh, yeah, they're literally flawless, perfect systems. But I understood it that the cars have sensors. So if someone walks in front of them, they stop. Mm-hmm. Yes, but, but... this implies that didn't happen in this situation. It, she She was hit... So quickly. So basically she was in a four a four lane road. Mm. So even if and I think that there were sensors there, even if the sensor had been able to do anything, it would have stopped further down. The car did stop, but it's like it's effectively like she walked out as the car was driving past. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So it wouldn't have happened because obviously if you if you're so doing thirty if miles stopped, an hour, yeah, yeah. you wouldn't you would still kill someone even mm. if you stopped within five seconds. Mm. Um but I don't know. I don't know whether the sensors are... (laughs) Thanks. Bless you. I might keep that in. Um, I don't know whether the sensors are, you know, heightened or ruined by the lack of light, but then to expect pedestrians to be wearing visible clothing all the time. No, they wouldn't. It wouldn't have anything to do with light. No. Um, So, yeah, I think there's still a lot of work that needs to be done to make them roadworthy and also for pedestrians not to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. But the fact that I just find it a bit mind boggling that the it was still so new to be tested. The person that was testing it was just watching TV on mm. their phone, thinking that they were kind of above the rules yeah. of the road. Yeah, it does make me think like if, if it's 
if they're being designed with the anticipation that there will always be someone kind of actually properly, actually, actually paying attention, yeah, then kind of what's the point? Yeah, like I don't see how that detracts from anything. No, that, oh, sorry, I don't think how that then means anything much less than actually driving a car. Do yeah, you know what I mean, oh, I'm articulate this <laughs> I tried to find out. So basically, people implied that she. Um, Vasquez should be tried for manslaughter because mm. she was ultimately responsible for the death because if she had been paying attention as she should have done in that role, mm. she could have stopped it or she could have swerved in time. But I can't actually find out if she ever got tried for manslaughter or if she's in prison. Mm. I can't imagine that she is because I think there's more circumstantial yeah, evidence okay. around it. But it is the future, so who knows? Who knows what's going to happen next? Well, that was... <laughs> Do me. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's the future and it's killed someone, so... Well, no, it's coming. We'll be dead. It's fine. Well, we're running out of water in 25 years, so... Are we? That's the main thing we need to worry about today. What? Oh, in Britain specifically, isn't Yeah. It? Yeah. If we carry on using it at the rate we're using it. Water's the new oil, ladies and gents. What can we, mm. as people on a podcast, <laughs> no, as real people do about it, have shorter showers? Yeah, well, there's lots of steps that you can take to use less water in your individual daily life which will help immensely like having the water savers fitted into your toilets and your showers not taking baths not using dishwashers don't do either of those last things anymore etc anyway. etc but as with everything really the the biggest it's not impact us. It, the yeah. biggest impact can be had through industry but you know ultimately it is us because we're well, the reason industry exists like we're consumers so that's why yeah and also if enough of us do things to make a difference then there will be a difference even if it won't be as big as industries taking the bigger yeah step. so ew. there we are I quite like this setup. not to <laughs> sorry Els you're out <laughs> sorry Els but it feels a little bit less like um, loose women and a little bit more like a one on one Interview, maybe a bit like um, master, mastermind. Mastermind. What yeah. was that old comedy program where they sat in the dark opposite each other, two comedians? I want to say like in the dark, not in the dark, but can't remember. I want to say like Jeeves and Worcester. Oh, Derek and Clive. No, none oh. of those things. Who <laughs> was like the two white? One was quite a fat comedian. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that Smith & Jones? Yes. Yeah. Not that either of us are Smith & Jones. But that's what it reminds me of. You know when they sit really close to together oh, yeah. and like, talk to each other? And face to face. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I'm now. not very like, good at eye on. contact, so this is a lot for me. I fucking love eye contact. Do you? Yeah. Although I'm really holding it for too long. Sarah just had to break away. I did break away. I looked at my Prosecco glass. <laughs> really making me uncomfortable. Good. So that was quite aggressive. Good. Good. Right, let's go with your story. Let's go. Okay, mine is going to be a lot shorter than yours, but I had to pick it because I was like, holy fuck. The sequence of events, or not even the sequence of events, but like the odds of this happening and the strangeness of it couldn't really be beaten, I didn't think. Um, I'm going to tell you about the 2012 death of Erica Marshall. Okay. Not any bells ringing right now. Okay. So, Erica um, was originally from Medford in New Jersey. Um, she studied equine science horses. in horses, Oy, up the in, horses in the UK. So she moved to the UK to study equine science at Hartbury College near Gloucester. 
I have not looked up as to whether or not that is a notorious equine science college, but perhaps it is one of those. They're known for their horse love. Yeah, indeed. And she met her husband, Kieran, while she was there. Um, so she married she married a Brit That's who nice. she met while she was over in, in Gloucester. So she was originally from New Jersey and they moved back to the States in 2010 because she had been offered her dream job at the Kentucky Equine Sports and Rehabilitation Centre. Is this ringing any bells yet? No, not yet. Okay, I do wonder if you might have seen this somewhere but not done it. So, What year was it again? 2012. Okay. It was um, a big Olympic year then. I'm not sure I had any brain capacity for <laughs> anything point, else. Yeah. London was on oh, it was so good. good fire, not bad fire. So they moved to Ocala in Florida, so um, not not necessarily back home for her, but it was her dream job. Now, part of her training and part of what her speciality was at the Kentucky Equine Sports and Rehabilitation Centre was the use and deployment of hyperbaric chambers. So I don't even know if I'm saying that right. It's either hyperbaric or hyperbaric. I thought it was hyperbaric. Right. So I'm going to say hyperbaric chambers. And basically use them in... Um, humans as well presumably other animals Um, but they're basically chambers where you can expose um, horses with injuries to a higher density of oxygen so they recover quicker isn't this is going to be wrong what do they put people in after they've been after they've got the bends yeah hyperbaric chamber yeah Yeah, so our friend our friend yeah ironic that's coming up on the other time I mean your friend what is his name? Henry. Henry. Our friend Henry. Mm. Hyperbaric. Mm-hmm. What was that? What was that what it was? Yeah, it was because you need more oxygen, but it's yeah, about pressure, you, isn't it? it's, well, But it's pressure. Uh, but we're it? not doctors, guys. No one's... <laughs> we're not divers, we're not doctors, and we're fucking not horses, okay? <laughs> we're absolutely not horses. Um, I think, isn't it because you lose oxygen in your body because you're... Pressure goes down, so you need to be exposed to more oxygen. Yes, something but like also, that. it's also something to do with the pressure. So, like hyperbaric pressure involves oxygen and at a higher pressure than normal. Yes, so it speeds up recovery. Fine. So horses go in there, and so do divers sometimes. Yeah, and I, I guess other animals that might need it. I don't know greyhounds. I'm trying to think what other animals might need kind of physiotherapy. Anyway, for the sake of this story. Um, it's just horses. It's just horses. Um, so Erica had been based in that equine centre for two years, doing what she loved, dream job. Um, but so what hyperbaric chambers are basically is kind of capsules mm. that people are put into, or people, again, horses. Horses or people. put into and exposed. It's a bit like the cross between a um, tanning booth and a CT scan. Oh, Great, cool. Or an MRI. I don't know which one. It's, it's more like a tanning booth. Yeah. Or um, but it's quite enclosed, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all it's all kind of closed off because the yeah. pressure has to increase. So perhaps it's like a suntan bed. Yeah. Um. So she'd been running that chamber and for two years since she moved back to Florida and had treated between two to six horses every day in this chamber. So she knew what she was doing. She was running it's a lot shit. Of horses. Super well. bright. Yes, yeah, a lot of horses. So in February 2012, the most unbelievable thing happened so erica was monitoring a horse receiving oxygen therapy so what you the setup at the center was you had the hyperbaric chamber in one room and then there was a room next door where 
Erica or whoever the technician was on site would monitor all of this, all the systems, the pressure levels, the oxygen levels, etc., the life signs of the horse, I would assume, on a computer next door. When the horse that she was treating, and this is fucking crazy and so sad. <laughs> Thanks for that reaction. Sorry. Sorry. That was not... That, that was an unintended Unintended response. sad reaction. Basically, the the horse who hadn't been tranquilised before going into the chamber... Surely that's the norm, to tranquilise big fucking horses. Well, it hadn't been tranquilised because it had been inside four times previously. This wasn't his first... Rodeo. Rodeo. <laughs> sorry. sorry. That's such a perfect plan. <laughs> Good. Oh. Yeah, it wasn't his first radio. He'd been in four times and had never never kicked off. Fine. However, he started to kick against the chamber walls, Mm -hmm. including kicking off some of the padding inside the chamber walls. And get this, his metal horseshoe created a spark... Jesus Christ. ...that blew the chamber up like a bomb. Oh, my God. What are the fucking odds? That is unbelievable. Yeah, so basically it caused a huge blast which threw debris 12,000 feet in the air, in the in the air, in the, in air, the air, and it could be heard 30 miles away. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, the amount of oxygen that must have been being pumped yeah, through Yeah, exactly. It. And oxygen is a fuel. It, yeah, to It fire. will explode so mm-hmm. quickly. So part of the roof and side of the chamber was ripped off in the ch- explosion, killing... The horse and Erica. I'm sorry, it's really sad. Killing both the horse and Erica, who has who had been monitoring the horse and watching via video link in a nearby room. There was also um, another woman on site, Saoirse Monley, from Ireland, who had been monitoring the horse as well, but she survived. Um, she was treated for head injuries at Chance Hospital nearby. But that's basically it. The odds of that happening are like absolutely astronomical these Mm. chambers are set up in such a way that it's supposed to be i mean i don't even know if that could even be predicted obviously they're padded for the comfort of the horse but whether or not it could ever have been predicted that a rogue kick in the wrong place of exposed chamber could cause a fucking spark that then set off like there's no if you're setting up an oxygen chamber there is absolutely no way you would allow any kind of source of ignition to be anywhere fucking near it. But then the odds of a bit of metal, the horseshoe, mm. being able to create a spark like that, like the, to, even to like start a fire in the woods, even if you had the right tools, is always a bit harder than people anticipate. The odds of that actually being able to happen mm-hmm. in such an isolated circumstance. Although I do just think, even though horses are good guys... I just think there should have been a fundamental rule that you tranquilise every horse. Yeah, so... I'm, I'm, putting him in there for the first time and then three subsequent times where he was fine that every single time mm-hmm. is kind of mind-blowing in the first place. Mm-hmm. I just think they're big fucking guys. Mm. Don't put him but in... But it's a- quite... it's quite Yeah, I totally agree. And the certainly the article that I read, like, 
implied heavily that it's normal for a horse to be tranquilised, but this guy had been in four times before and was fine. How do you know he's going to be tar- f- well, tar- yeah, fine? Yeah, but it's also risky to tranquilise horses, right? It's not good for their health and stuff. So if you um, can avoid... It's like humans going under general anaesthetic. Yeah, it's like if you can avoid it, to. it's probably better yeah. not to, you know? Good point. So good there's point. a balance to strike between keeping the horse safe and healthy. But so this is just a, a really horrible, totally freak accident mm. that sounds like it couldn't have necessarily been avoided unless they had taken that decision to tranquilise the horse. But there was no reason to beforehand. No, so exactly. And it's kicked through the padding and it's it's created a spark. Like the odds of it must be unbelievable. I wonder if there's been anything done since then. Yeah, yeah, I do wonder. To um, ensure that it doesn't ever happen again. Presumably tranquilising horses or sedating them to a certain degree that they're yeah, maybe. placid enough. Or maybe they could be sort of tired. I don't know what the risks are. I'm I'm not a, a horse manager. What's the right word? <laughs> You've been on a management skills horse course. Man- yeah, but, but not for Did horses. Did you not talk about horses? Did manage about horses' legs. Um no, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I know that there's a lot. Like horses are very fragile, despite seeming like big, clunky bastards. They're incredibly fragile, and they can go lame at the drop of a hat. So, yeah. I know that basically you have to be super careful with them whenever they're being handled, where you're transporting them, or whatever. So maybe it's like, the especially if they're like race horses, right, or valuable horses, mm. the risk of of tranquilizing them or tying them up or binding them in any way might be. I always think this about horse boxes in general, though. When mm. you see them like traveling eighty miles an hour on a fucking motorway, and mm. it's like, well, if you make one sudden movement or you break sharply, that horse is going to be splatted. Yeah, and also kill you in the car. Yeah, and also. Horses don't want to stand up for long periods of time hurtling down a motorway, do they? Well, they. I think the idea is they don't really know that they're hurtling down a motorway. They're just looking at a wall, aren't they? They're not facing yeah, out it's back. Not great for them. No. I've got a very complex relationship in my mind about horses because yeah. I grew up as a bookie's daughter always betting on horses and then actually coming to realisation about how horrific horse <laughs> racing is and how weird jockeys are and all of that kind of stuff. And it's just like, oh, these little guys, they just want to... Have a nice life. I know. The jockey's weird. That's some a, some that's jockeys are not very nice. Oh, to their horses. You yeah, mean? some jockeys okay. are lovely to their horses and go above and beyond in terms of like care. But some jockeys are quite um, mechanical about the way that they treat their horses. Mm. And there's been some like really bad stories about mistreatment of them, of horses by jockeys. Oh, okay. The guys that depend, jockeys that depend on horses to become as successful yeah, as to they win. are. Yeah, yeah. Really damaging the way that they treat anyway Anyway. um, there was a point that I was going to make about horses I can't remember oh yeah I was just going to say I want every time I've had an MRI scan I've wanted to be tranquilised because they're not fun like it's horrible yeah like you have to well I've had I've probably had seven MRI scans and I never open my eyes Mm. I have to have they basically they usually give you headphones Mm mm-hmm so they'll put like radio on for you or something and I usually get them to put on like Kerrang FM or something something as loud as possible oh, metal. because it's so loud in mm. there and I turn it up as loud as possible and I, I don't really have a, a rational fear of it like it's it's completely irrational like I know I'll come back out of it mm. but they're horrible mm. and a horse that doesn't probably have the I mean maybe they do but they don't have the brain capacity of humans to go into something like that when they're just used to standing in a field and eating a bit yeah, of grass yeah it's not a natural environment no it's, it absolutely in. isn't um, I would just I would just always assume that they would need to be tranquilised they would need to have some kind of sedative to calm them down a little mm. bit but 
There you go. Again, right. we're not horse doctors. We don't know what we don't risk know. is. Um, but I thought I would end with the words from this article from Erica's husband, Kieran, who paid a heartfelt tribute to his best friend who died doing what she loved. Erica was such a kind and generous woman. She only cared about other people and wouldn't want all this fuss, but that was Erica. She was selfless. So she sounds like she was super smart. Married, a, married a British man, which we're on board with, you yep. know. We support your <laughs> we support your support of the UK yep. population. Um so yeah, that's Erica Marshall with just I that that story stunned me that that could have happened. Yeah, it is crazy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely crazy. So, now we move on to the last section of the podcast where we talk about our girl crushes in an attempt to lighten the mood away from all the death and doom. And it has been a little bit deathy and a little bit doomy yeah, this week. Clearly we need sad. elves to come and talk to us about the sun dying. Yeah, to put us on an even keel. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we basically talk about women that we find inspiring, who have done amazing things, or just women that are quite funny or quite fit or just... Uh, are making us laugh or whatever it's it can be super deep or super shallow it could be Malala or Rihanna like it really doesn't matter both great on so many levels both great so squares why don't you tell us yours because this is an unconventional episode Mm. because Elsa's not here Mm -hmm. I'm going to be unconventional doing a man no I'm going to do someone that I've already done okay fine I think I know who it is (laughs) and was it the last episode where one of us wasn't here as well yeah yeah (laughs) Okay, fine, yeah. Fair, Which is fucking fair enough, mate. Um, just the fates have aligned. I'm doing Jacinda Ardern. Um, I just think, and I'm not going <laughs> to... I know that I talk a lot on this podcast, but I'm not going to go into it too much, but I just think Jacinda's response to what happened in Christchurch last week when you hear this podcast or the week before when you hear this podcast has been phenomenal, and I think that she's behaved in for want of a better description, a really basic way, but something that is quite unusual for a leader to behave in. She's been very vocal. She's been meeting with the families of the victims. She's been doing as much as she can to change how things happen moving forward because of what happened. She's, you know, today everybody's been sharing about the fact that she won't mention the killer's Mm. name and she won't ever legitimise him in any way. She was on record very quickly calling him a terrorist. She was on very, very quickly on record calling him a white supremacist and without getting too much into it we have a problem in the world at the moment with the rhetoric of politicians and leaders not legitimizing white supremacy as a terrorism Mm -hmm. act and Mm -hmm. really focusing on minorities as being the bad people and I feel like she's responded appropriately to what has happened and it's kind of a shame that she's She's done what should have been done by everybody else when these kinds of things happen, when it happened in Finsbury Park, when it happened elsewhere in the world. But she's done what should have been done all of those times mm. to respond to any kind of terrorism attack. But I just really respect her. I think she's a very good lead her. Lead her. She's a very good leader. And I think her compassion and the way that she's behaved after the atrocities that happened is a testament to how good a leader she is, how much she cares and how good of a Prime Minister she's been to New Zealand. And I just think she's great. I think that if anyone looks up to anyone, she's a great one to look up to. I just think, Jacinda, you're a good, you're a good one. And she she was my girl crush, what, like 10 
episodes ago, maybe less, more, um, because she came back to work quite quickly, but she was really, like, nonplussed about it. That was when her room was in, so that was... What episode was that, like episode 13? You would have been recording in September. Yeah, I know. More than 10, I reckon. Okay, fine. But yeah, so she she notoriously came back to work quite quickly after her the birth of her child. Six days, maybe. Yeah. Something ridiculous like that. No big deal? No big deal. But she just, she just strikes me as the type of person that rules by the way that she lives her life. And I think that's really respectable. And I think that rather than have white people, for a better term you know, pander to certain groups of people, she's responded appropriately to Mm. what has happened, terrorism by a white supremacist. Mm. And I think that is something to be recognised and I appreciate her for it. And I think that she deserves all the accolades that she's getting at the moment whilst putting the importance on how we support the Muslim community, how the Muslim community in New Zealand is supported moving forward, but also how we talk about Muslim communities as a nation, as a world moving forward, because it's been a very, very unfair bias to terrorism in other ways. And not to mention the gun reform. She's just like, we're instantly going to reform. Yeah, it's really <laughs> it's really interesting as well, because there's, apparently there's been quite a few well pushes to, for changes in the last maybe like 10 to 15 years for lots of different reasons. But what they're doing is now happening. And I think that's so... I don't know how to say it without sounding like wanky, but that's so cool. Like Mm. the idea of like every other week there's a school shooting, every other week children as young as two or, you know, 50 kids have to die. 50 kids have to go through a school school shooting drill every morning in class. Isn't that horrible? Versus obviously an absolutely horrific atrocity happening in New Zealand and a much smaller population. Mm. But the first time something really bad happens, that's it, we're done. We're Mm. absolutely done. We're not letting this ever happen again. Versus America, where they're like, let's not blame the guns. It's not the guns' fault that someone's got to take a fucking stand. Yeah. So yeah, Jacinda, Jacinda's my girl crush again. Um, but I'm doing it because it's completely valid, and I think this is a big enough, important reason to make her my girl crush Great. forever. Yeah, of course, for the rest forever, of time, forever girl crush. And she would have been mine, but I was like, oh no, Squares did it once. And actually, <laughs> this would be the third time that she was girl crush because it got edited out of one episode. But I tried to do her because yeah. I hadn't remembered that Squares had done it one day when I wasn't here. <laughs> so we all just fucking love Jacinda, Jacinda, Jacinda. So yeah, we all love her great shout yeah i just think yeah so mine from the sublime to the ridiculous no it's not ridiculous but mine but that's I've the got, reason that's the girl crush rule like yeah. it doesn't matter so i've got a very specific reason for mine and i feel like i always fall into the trap because my girl crushes are just like women that i've been watching on netflix basically <laughs> like i've been watching it's your kink it's fine <laughs> we can allow it <laughs> women on netflix are my kink um and it's also a show that I know me and Els always talk about, but you haven't seen, which is... Oh, you and Els, you and Els. Is it Brooklyn Nine-Nine you haven't seen? I know there's one that you... I just fucking hate Andy Samberg. Oh, okay, fine. Sorry. Yeah, and he does dominate Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And it's just not funny. Sorry. Fine. <laughs> Whatever. We're going to fall out. Of this. What was the other... There was one that like you had just not seen, and Els and I were always going on about. Can oh, I've not seen Broad City. Oh, I've yeah. I've never seen an episode yeah. of Broad City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was watching that this morning. I do really want you to watch would, it. Yeah, yeah no, I do. I just It's not been in my trajectory anyway so i'll give you the reason for mine so mine is chelsea peretti who is on brooklyn 99 big fan of her on twitter so yeah i should qualify that because i've never seen her she's well known for being gina 
Lynette in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but she's also a writer. She wrote for like Parks and Rec and stuff. Mm-hmm. She's funny mm-hmm. as fuck. She's a stand-up. Married she's to Jordan Peele. Married to Jordan Peele of Get Out fame, which I watched the other day and it's fucking... Have you only seen it I've only just watched it now. Oh, it's mate. so good. I loved Obviously, it. it's so good. Mm-hmm. Us is out this week. What's um, Lakeith Stan? I want to say Stansfield. That's not right. I think it is Lakeith Stansfield. Oh, yeah. He's like so handsome and good. Have you seen <laughs> like him a lot. Atlanta? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fucking great. Yeah. yeah. So, so, I just so, love so, so his characters that yeah, he plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, this isn't Boy Crush. This isn't Boy Crush. Was, <laughs> he would never leave if it was Boy Crush. When, when I wondered if you if your girl crush this week was a man, I was like, well, my real hero is a guy I just saw leaving Tesco Express with a bottle of rosé and just cracking it open on the street and swigging from the no bottle. No way! <laughs> just a lad. It was with some of his mates as well. I don't know. I mean, but rosé like, on the street, outside the shop he Rosé on the street. What a hero. As fuck. <laughs> You carry on, my friend. And it's, it's like fucking. Should have high fived him. <laughs> no, it's Tuesday because I was like, oh, Tuesday at like was, six o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it was a Friday, I'd be like, oh, that's maybe a stag do or like a breakout party of a stag do who's about to go. It's like, no, it's just a Tuesday. You've just boshed open a bottle of rice. Yeah, that's a chaser for him. He's been on some hard stuff already. Anyway, he's, he's my hero. He's my inspo for He'll the week. He'll be on the fucking story <laughs> next week. Oh God, he overconsumed rosé. Too much Blossom Hill. <laughs> Oh, we've all been there. <laughs> anyway, girl crush, not boy crush, not Lakeith, not Rosé Man. Chelsea Peretti. And I, she would be mine anyway because she's really, really, really very funny, really very talented, uh, quite an enigma. Like she's left, she's basically quit Brooklyn Nine-Nine under vaguely mysterious circumstances. Oh, I didn't know that. Like she's not necessarily like... So the reason that she's mine is because... Again, I've been listening to, I think I've referenced this before, but Dak Shepard's podcast, Armchair Expert. Like, I can give or take Dak Shepard, but he has some interesting people mm. on. And he kind of has quite wide-ranging conversations. So who, whoever his guest is, I find quite interesting. And Chelsea Baretti was one that I was listening to recently. Chelsea Peretti. I probably slurred her name a little bit there. Anyway, the get to the point. good today. Get to the point. And she... So I've been, I, I've been reflecting on kind of the way that being as a woman being sort of scary or unapproachable is like seen as sacrilege Mm -hmm. or not even seen as I guess just it's just kind of drilled into us to you have to be soft in the world you have to be approachable you have to be constantly accommodating Accommodating. you kind of move and shift with a with a with a wind or with a grass that bends in the wind as opposed to the trees that stand Mm -hmm. strong against it right and Chelsea Peretti doesn't really do that and she is quite standoffish and she's quite um, abrupt and doesn't really bend over backwards to kind of accommodate whoever's talking to her or like she's not very gushy she's so not Hollywoody like and I was like I really fucking respect this and the whole episode of Armchair Expert was Dak Shepard basically like trying to work out whether or not Chelsea liked him and she was like, yeah, I like you fine, whatever. And he was just like, ah, and he's, he's quite clearly, and it's part, of, it's part of his bit is that he's like quite a approval seeker. But she just wasn't giving it to him. I like and that. And I was like, fuck yes. Like, there's no need to. And it's quite, I don't know, I find it kind of aspirational. I try to, I don't mind being a little bit scary sometimes. Yeah. I know it might surprise some <laughs> listeners. But like, I think it's important to just, to be 
who you need to be in whatever situation and it doesn't need it doesn't mean you have to be super super approachable it doesn't mean you have to be super nice and you know get 10 out of 10 from everyone and it's something that I've like throughout my adult life tried to kind of learn and develop and I just heard Chelsea Beretti be like a really beautiful example of it and she's just like yeah no, you know I like you it's okay chill the fuck out basically yeah. um and she yeah and I, I really kind of appreciated her stance and her approach and it's something that I just don't necessarily feel like you see that much. No, I agree. I completely agree. I think it's so nuanced as women mm. to be the person that you think that you are mm. versus the person that you think that people want you to be mm-hmm. versus the person that people expect women to be. And I think that I have it too in the sense that like I'm quite opinion well, with work, because I've worked in the same career for like twelve years now, I know what I'm talking You're about. You're bossing that shit. Yeah, to a certain degree, but it's like a really hard, it's a really hard balance between I think you're a fucking idiot and I know that I'm right about this versus <laughs> I have to be accommodating because I know that this is all a team and da 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 versus I've had men that walk all over me at work, don't care about how they speak to me, don't care about how that makes me feel. Mm. And it's so... It's refreshing to realise that in itself that, like, mm-hmm. that's sometimes how it is and men don't have filters like that versus women do have filters like that because That's exactly they right. are brought yeah. up to be yeah. accommodating and a man prob- probably wouldn't think twice about like how he's coming across necessarily. yeah i mean i definitely i definitely know some like in touch men with you know in touch with their feelings and in touch with you know how they treat people but we have and i think that maybe we are the last generation that have millennials that have grown up with men being the dominant force and women being lesser so. But that's obviously shifted quite a lot with Gen Z. Mm. But I do think that it is refreshing for women to be like that and outwardly so because Mm. it is still seen as like brutish or unbecoming. Bitchy. Bitchy, (laughs) bossy. Difficult. Difficult, domineering to be the person that says, no, I don't agree with that. Mm Mm-hmm. Rather yeah. than being like, oh, I, mm, it's, a, it's a good idea, but, you know, I just thought maybe we could just yeah, tweak so this. Yeah, nicey, nicey. Just yeah. fucking get, it's fine to just get to the fucking point sometimes. Yeah, and it is, it is really difficult to, t- to toe that line and be so conscious of it whilst you're doing it and worry about what the repercussions are going to be, but also being strong enough to be able to be like, no, this is just not what I think should be happening. Because also, when you don't let that come out of you and you're like, okay, let's do that, and mm. then you know it's going to fuck up yeah. and then it fucks up. Yeah. And then you're like, well, you know the idea that I had two months ago would have been really good because it's just like it's fucking boring and no one's got no one's got time for it because we're all going to die in 21 years when the water runs out and the bees die or something so stop it (laughs) stop it women stop it be more like Chelsea Peretti have some fucking strength don't worry if people are going to think you're a bitch because ultimately everyone's a bitch everyone's a bitch you've only got one life the days are too fucking precious to worry about everybody else's opinion of you. Mate. Get shit done. A Take no prisoners. Men, sister. Yeah, no, it's a great shout. I think that's really good. I could talk for hours about how I feel about being an emotional woman <laughs> in a man's driven world. But I won't, because I talk too much in this podcast anyway. Mate, I listen back to this podcast and sometimes like I just wish that I would have shut the fuck up then. What do you mean? There's episodes where I just like talk. And well, I say the same thing. Literally, like, what a podcast is. There's say, episodes where I'm just saying words into a microphone, <laughs> and then it like gets turned into a podcast. Fucking turning up for this. No, it's more like 
I feel like I just repeat myself or I say the same thing but in a different way and I just feel, I just feel dumb. Listening back to podcasts of yourself does give one a crisis of co- of confidence because you're suddenly like, oh God, that's me. This is me on tape. Yeah, but you are a um, scientist. You know a lot about climate change. I'm... You have a worthy job. Bah. You get on with everyone that you've ever met. And Shut up. everyone likes being around <laughs> I you. I don't get on with you, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, I fucking hate you daily. <laughs> Last episode, actually, I really enjoyed. Like, I listened to it as soon as it came out. Same. After I'd already I, listened to it the I, day yeah, before. Yeah, exactly. I edited it and I was like, ooh, download the new episode. All of the, yeah, it was quite funny. All of uh, many thousands of downloads, thanks, listeners. Uh, mostly just me and Squares keeping downloading it. <laughs> Go back, ooh, episode four is a good one. I can listen to that. I have listened to... I make a good joke at 32.15. Yeah. <laughs> I listen to myself. I have listened to President Pac-Man at least three times. <laughs> And episode three, which is Elvis' oh, least favourite episode, so ironically. Why doesn't she like that? I think... She did the robot. She did the robot. She, think that she, she thinks that she got too drunk, whereas I'm like, I will never... This, I actually think that we should delete episode one from our, <laughs> from our history no. and do it again, because I'm so drunk that I think that I'm just like a slurring wine but, bottle. No, not at all. Like episode one, because we were all quite lashed, I think like the chemistry really popped. Imagine if we'd kept in our actual ending that we, were gonna, that we originally recorded. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't think the listeners know about that. Let's, let's leave it. Maybe you'll never know. Episode 100 will tell you what the original <laughs> ending was going to be. We'll play it for you. Oh, and God. you'll never listen to us again. Anyway, this is it. So that's it. Anyway, Els, we miss you. We love you dearly. Do you think I can sure listen to this? Here's a test. Oh, my God. Let's test Els. Okay, Els, as soon as you've listened <laughs> to this, please text the LDN girls chat an emoji of a pencil. Yeah, pencil emoji L's. If you're listening, <laughs> you need to text us a picture of a pencil. Not a picture, you know. Emoji. emoji. Just do what Sarah just said. I didn't need to. I didn't need to repeat it. No one's fucking stupid. I just wanted to underline. Everyone's got emojis on their phone these days. I just wanted to underline what the request was. Anyway, Els, we can't wait for that pencil emoji. And listeners, thank you so much, as always, for listening to our nonsense. We really appreciate it. As always. We, we really do. Uh, we've said it time and time again. <laughs> we really enjoy making this because... It's just it's a really, laugh, isn't it? It's a laugh, isn't it? Exactly. It's a laugh, isn't it? And actually, the best part is interacting with you lads on social media and yeah. emails, which happens all the time. We can barely keep up with how much <laughs> it happens all the time. It's embarrassing. You need to stop emailing. Um, and we are... Um, I know that we mentioned it a couple of episodes ago about trying to do a link up with the girls from um, unnecessarily, no, outrageously, outrageously unnecessary. unnecessary. And we are going to try and do it. It's just that we'll have to do it on a weekend and... Uh, that's more admin than we realised at the start. So trying to find a date where we can all do it. But we're going to do that. Um, And yeah. But hit us up on social if you want to talk to us. If you've got your own stories of near misses, that would be like the golden nugget landing in our inbox. I have met quite a few people, or I have spoken to since we started this podcast, quite a few people that do have an interesting story or know a friend that has an interesting story. Mm -hmm. But they usually quite traumatic yeah, and it's yeah, not yeah. something people want to talk about mm-hmm. so I think we we maybe underestimated that a little bit in terms of like what real people could do but we're always open to have a conversation if you do have something that you think is comfortable enough for you to talk about we'd absolutely love that um, or if you have a story that you'd like us to cover open to that too mm-hmm. please just talk to us let us know email us 
Telegram us. Telegram. 912-014. What could, how could you even telegram people? What does that mean? Just send me a postcard. It's yeah, fine. fine. All right. Um, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. 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 Bye.